a dating and makeover expert where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. Do you often ask yourself, why am I attracting so many narcissists? What can I do to stop this? You know, many people feel as if they are narcissist magnets. I hear this a lot. If there's a person with a narcissistic personality disorder within a hundred feet, they believe that somehow that person will be attracted to them. If it sounds familiar to you, obviously you're not alone. And no, not all men or all women are narcissists. It may feel that way, but I promise you there are more people out there. And it may not be that you attract more narcissists than other people but you may be keeping them longer. So let me explain. Let's say you are looking for a new date or partner and you start swiping around your app and maybe you see that special someone in the bar and you land the date and right away you find that person really attractive and witty and fun and boom, there's instant chemistry and it feels amazing. And after a few dates, you notice that your new romantic interest needs to be attended to. needs to be the center of attention, uh, ignores your feelings or desires, and requires lots of reassurance about how great he or she is. So you do not need to be able to diagnose a narcissist to be disturbed by this type of behavior. And at this point, many people who have even no knowledge of narcissism at all will politely disengage themselves from that person because The trouble of catering to their new friends or dates' needs outweighs any possible benefits. So what about you? Like, what do you do? Do you hang in there? Here's some questions to think about. Like, have you ever ended a relationship or date early because the other person was too selfish? Or do you have clear boundaries that you enforce about what types of behaviors you will or will not tolerate from a romantic partner? And if a relationship began wonderfully and quickly goes downhill, I call those tornado relationships where it like, you know, happens really fast, the chemistry is really strong, but then boom, it disappears, especially when the focus is back on you. Do you stay in it, hoping that it'll improve somehow or that you can fix it? Or you don't want it to fail, so you keep on going, right? Do you put up with being devalued? Do you make excuses for the other person's bad behavior? Oh, you know, they don't really mean it. Or, oh, they had a hard day. Or, oh, he's not like that all of the time. You know, or if the person's behavior turns abusive, do you leave immediately? Like, this is what I mean by do you just, like, hang in there with that person? or? Do you see these kinds of behaviors and nip it in the bud right away? And if any of the above seem to relate to you, you probably need to revisit your standards of what you will tolerate from a romantic partner. And this does not mean that you should never date people with narcissistic traits necessarily, but you do need to develop better strategies for sifting out those people whose bad behavior distresses you. And even more so, change the way you are on the date so that you don't attract them. See, to me, that's the empowerment. 
again, you can't change the way that people are. All you can do is change your behavior and your detector to get a different result. And I truly believe that. Again, that's why I call myself a dating strategist more than anything else, because sometimes it takes a different strategy to break old habits. And you just may be in the habit of being that person. So with me on the line today is a woman who has been with two narcissistic relationships back to back. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So she's gone She's done a ton of work in therapy. I know know of her. I've known her for a couple of years and I love seeing her grow. But, you know, she's kind of done the work and she's ready to date again. And she wants to figure out where her blind spots are so she can be more confident in choosing a good partner, be confident in herself and break out of the narcissist magnet archetype once and for all. Well, let's see if I can help her at least crack the code in doing so. Welcome, Christina. Are you there? I am here. Thank you so much. Oh my God. It's so special to have you on. Um, And, you know, I I haven't talked to you in a long while and I didn't know you were in these kind of narcissistic relationships. So I'd I'd love to hear more, but first maybe you want to share a little bit about who you are and, you know, just a little background and also your, some of your dating stuff. Okay, sure. So the Reader's Digest version, uh, let's see. (laughs) Oh gosh, I know. What can I say about that? No. Um, so I was in the army for 22 years. And one of the things I had struggled with initially when I was doing this work was finding that feminine and flirty side of myself and bringing that to dating because I had, I, I was in my masculine all the time I had to be for my job. So, um, I was attracting partners that were not, um, necessarily right for me in that realm. And then I got out of the army and, um, I, I really started to step into that femininity and I felt comfortable with flirting. And I mean, the, the funny thing is even when I was in the army, I was all about pink dresses and coach handbags. I could just (laughs) never express that side of myself. So I buried it for a long time. So it was always there. Um, but then I, gosh, um, so now I'm, uh, retired. Um, I'm doing some other things with my life. Um, they're just as intense, um, training for the Olympics and, um, I'm a veterinarian. I practice traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. So, um, that's kind of, kind of what I do in a nutshell and sort of my journey. Um, I've been in lots of relationships, some serious, um, some very short lived, but the two that really stick out for me are my most two recent ones. And they were both narcissists. And again, I'm not a professional uh, in that industry, in the um, mental health industry, but I didn't know what a narcissist was Mm. until I was in the middle of the first one. And this would have been in about 2016. And a friend of mine pointed out some things to me because I was talking to her and she had had this experience and she used that word. And I was like, no, 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 this guy is not a peacock. He's not a look at me kind of guy. He was more of a covert type, but I didn't understand the emotional abuse that was going on. And I was Mm. basically just accepting the behavior. So I broke up with him. It took a lot of strength and courage. The behavior had become abusive and it, it was very insidious. So it's really easy when somebody hits you. It's really easy when somebody's verbally abusing you. It's not easy when someone is doing this over time and they're, they're breadcrumbing you. So there's really good stuff. And then they check in something bad and your brain can't figure out what's going on and wants to default to the good things. So I had that experience and there were, there were tons of red flags from the beginning. I just didn't know how to recognize them. 
So I had this experience and I decided to get a PhD in narcissism. I read, <laughs> <laughs> like we all do, right? I'm yes. like, okay, Google, give me what you got, you know? And so I, I researched everything I could think of. And I thought I had this down pat. Um, I had, um, in that space, I broke up with him. And then I was, um, I had a spinal cord or sustained a spinal cord injury in the army. That's, uh, what actually, uh, caused my retirement early. And so I, I wasn't dating for a long time because I physically couldn't, I was recovering from all of that mess and it took my body a long time to heal. And I had a lot of time to reflect. So that's, that's why I was like, wow, I have all this time to sit here and, and understand this personality disorder. And I felt really confident that I had made the right decision in ending that relationship because it wasn't going to go anywhere. And I, I caught him cheating. So that was a deal breaker Uh. right there. So even, even if he wasn't a narcissist and I was wrong about all of that, the cheating was already a deal breaker. So that was, that was done. Um, So I felt empowered in that and it always kind of stuck with me. And I thought, okay, I am never going to get into this situation again. I know what I'm looking for. Um, I'm not going to attract one of these. And so I took some time off of dating and then I moved. Um, I started completely fresh, whole new life, whole new city, everything. And I was ready to hit the dating world. And I dated over the summer. This would have been in 2019. So I had a huge gap. So almost a three-year gap before I actually dated Um, and then I met another man in August of 2019 and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I thought, and this was after a summer of really, really awful dates, uh, match.com dates, um, just not, just not what I was looking for. And it, it was, it was kind of like, wow, this one is so different. And he stuck out you know, he's the pack runner. And I, Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, this is what a, this is what an actual relationship is supposed to look like well, that's not what happened. Mm. And I even, in retrospect, I even questioned myself at the beginning. And this is common. If you've been in a narcissistic relationship, you question, is this person a narcissist too? So I was in that space. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, this seems too good to be true. I was looking for this person to be a narcissist and it turns out that he was, and (laughs) this one was way worse. Um, the, I would say the emotional, and mental and even financial abuse in this one was so much worse than the first one. And I'm sitting there kicking myself going, how did I get into this again? And I'm super smart. I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not, you know, and that's the, that's the thing is they, they don't prey on weak people. They prey on very, very smart people. Mm-hmm. So here I am in this headspace again. And I'm like, what is wrong with me that I can't figure this out or recognize it. And I don't, I have a little bit of dating PTSD. I don't want to go out there again and repeat this because it's, it's horrible. I mean, it's not just like, oh, it was a bad date or a bad relationship. It destroys you from the inside out. It destroys your health. It destroys just everything about you. And you have to rebuild yourself brick by brick. I don't, I don't have the strength to do that again, nor should I have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for sharing all that. And I think a lot of you listening can relate to this. And unfortunately, it's such a common thing. And you're right, that PTSD that happens after a narcissistic relationship is like nothing else. It's hard to even explain to people, you know, what happened. It's almost like coming out of a war in in some ways. And like you said, you become almost hypervigilant to signs and then you get scared and you know, and so it's, it, it is, it's like now, 
how do you navigate the waters moving forward, you know, in fear of having that happen again? And it's unfortunate because sometimes these guys have different costumes on and there's different types, right? And, but when you, when you have them take the costume off, it's the same guy essentially. And so that's where you're left with. So I am, I, I love that though you did a lot of work on this and, and so what are you left with right now in, in ways of like, what are you finding challenging about getting back out there and dating with all this? Well, I think one of the biggest things is trusting myself because the, the two things that I, I recognize in these relationships is the way that I felt kind of early on uh, after the love bombing phase, I started to feel this creeping anxiety and I thought, Oh gosh, I just have an anxious attachment style or that's (sighs) just me. And what that was was my alarm system going, Hey, this is, there's something wrong here. And so I'm trying to figure out how to delineate between, is it just some sort of little gremlin creeping me up, creeping up, or is it really my authentic self saying, Hey, you need to take a step back and look at this. And that's where I get a little stuck is trying to figure out what that feeling and what that voice actually is. Yes. Okay. That's a really, that's a really good distinction that you just said. Like what's, what's a real state of anxiety where like you're seeing those pink flags in the beginning where you're like listening to yourself and the intuition versus just the anxiety from the PTSD. Like, yeah. oh my God, is this going to happen again? I see something. <laughs> oh my God, he just talked about himself. Forget it. You know, like that kind of thing. I I, I know exactly what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> so it's the trusting yourself. Um, and, and tell me a little bit more about what you are doing in ways of dating. Like, are you back on the apps? Are you going out? What? Tell me about your social life. So... Um, not to use the COVID excuse, but I decided I, yeah, things were so crazy. Like I was getting ready for the Olympics and I just, I also didn't want something in my headspace because I'll I'll tell you after the last one, it took such a toll on my body. It took a year for my actual body to recover. So it cost me a lot in this Mm. trying to be a high level athlete and trying to, I mean, just having cortisol flooding through your body all the time just took a huge toll. So it took a long time for me to bounce back. So I did not date um, at all. Um, I'm actually a year post breakup. Oh, um, okay. one year, and I have not. I've only been on one date. I haven't actively sought out dating, so I'm I'm in that space where I want to. And you know, in, in my heart of hearts, I know that there's a wonderful partner out there for me, and I kind of feel like I'm almost ready. And the funny thing is, I'm not scared of going on a date. That doesn't bother me. Okay. <laughs> I used to be. I'm like uh-huh. okay. Because I'm not, a, if I'm not attached to the outcome, I think that's the key right there. It's when I have to decide, gosh, is this person somebody I should be spending my time with? Or, you know, mm-hmm. I get back up in my head about it. So dating life wise, um, I, I wanted to make sure I had good, healthy boundaries because I realized that if I'm dealing with narcissists, that I don't have uh, boundaries for myself. And mm-hmm. that's something I had to really work on in this second round um, because I didn't pick that up between the first two. So I actually did go on a uh, date a couple of weeks ago. It was a, a real life uh, date. I had met this guy a couple of times on a bike ride. He seemed, I had had a chance to screen him a little bit and this date ended very quickly. And so I was proud of myself because I was able to set a boundary and it wasn't because he was a narcissist. He showed up stoned out of his skull. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah. So bad. It was so mm-hmm. bad. So this person wasn't even present. And I'm kind of like, I'm not, I'm not doing this. Plus, that's a big deal breaker for me right there. So um there's all kinds of things that went wrong in this 
45 minutes that I spent in this date, but I, I had enough wherewithal to go. There is no way that I want to spend time with this. And it's just not, I don't want to say that person's not worth my time because I feel like that's really mean. Mm -hmm. And as an empath, I try to be compassionate towards where that other person might be in their journey because it's not without being judgmental. But at the same time, it's like, wait a minute, I'm not accepting responsibility for that person's behavior to show up drugged on a date. Yes. Okay. So tell me more about this. Cause this is where I'm, I'm, I want to get to a little more because <laughs> obviously like, again, we can't change these guys in the different costumes. I mean, they're walking all over the place, right? Like yeah. you're going to see them, you're going to see them again, you know, and in, and it's just a matter of like you going at it a little bit differently this time around. So you just, you just kind of said something that made me want to like question more about this. So you said you're an empath and you always like to like give people the benefit of the doubt and like, look at their, you know, how, how does that play out for you when it comes to dating? Like, are you the type of person who focuses more on the, the person and like their feelings and that kind of thing versus yourself? I would say yes. And this being an empath, I identify as being an empath. I've told I'm an empath. Um, I'm also, I also identify as an HSP, a highly sensitive person. And it's, it's to me, it's the biggest curse and the biggest gift. It makes me a fantastic veterinarian. Um, it also yeah. is probably something that I have to protect and work on and cultivate in a positive manner so that I don't attract narcissists because that is probably the one character trait that they are massively attracted to. So Mm -hmm. yes, on a date, I try to make sure that it's not all about me and that that other person is having a good time. And that, because I feel like I'm talking about myself too much and then I'm like, Oh God, they're going to think I'm a narcissist. So I get way up in my head about it. And I'm, I'm in that space where I'm trying to trying to listen to my body a little bit more, but then I cycle back to the, oh gosh, you know, I I'm triggered and I don't, I don't understand where that trigger is coming from. And I think a lot of it is because I'm so sensitive and I'm more sensitive than most people. Mm-hmm. I pick up on things that other people might not. Yeah. And with that, do you then sometimes, um, modify your own needs or wishes or desires and feelings to make the other person feel better? Yes. And I would say I'm getting better at not doing that Mm -hmm. and setting boundaries. And when I do that, I feel inauthentic and bitchy. Yeah. That's a tough one for me. I feel like I'm being mean when I go, no, and I stick up for myself. It doesn't feel good. And so when you're on a date and you say that sometimes you feel like you're talking about yourself too much and then you almost have to stop and like turn it back because it feels uncomfortable. Like what exactly are you sharing that, that you feel is so much? Um, I struggle with trying not to overshare Mm -hmm. and also trying to be authentic. Mm. So, you know, you're trying to get to know somebody on a date and I have, all these, I mean, I've had a really full life up until now and will continue to have one, I'm sure. And so people tend to get really curious about things like, wow, you, um, you know, you were in the army, um, you were retired because you had an injury, you know, cause I don't want to lie to somebody and, um, I'm disabled and I'm not, it's hard for people to 
conceptualize that because I don't look, I'm not in a wheelchair. I don't look disabled. And so they'll start to kind of go down that rabbit hole. And there's, there's a lot of vulnerable things to talk about in there. So on a first date, I will either get sucked into the, the whole just slipstream Ah. of talking about that and that story. And I get really down into that story. And then I'm kind of like, wow, I don't want to share all this stuff up front. So I don't want to, I don't want to close the door on that person's curiosity but at the same time, I don't want to overshare. So that's that's one example I can think of is, and some of it truly is somebody's being curious, and it, ha- it, it depends on how they ask it too. If they ask in a in a really not so nice way, like, "Well, what's wrong with you?" That's not coming from a place of curiosity. That's invalidating, and I usually shut those down really fast. Um, if they if they say, "Hey, I hope it's okay if I ask this, and you can tell me what you want to," that's more of a a person who's trying to understand, um, seeking to understand. So I think it depends on where they're coming from and how they're asking it. Now, the flip side to that is a narcissist is very very good at being fake, having fake empathy. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. They draw you in because they're really they're really trying to get ammunition. So they're not being. This is something that I've learned too, because I'm trying to figure out how to identify, like, I feel like I can identify a narcissist six months into a relationship. (laughs) I want to know in the first five minutes, I mean, can they just have like a, you know, an N on their head or something that would be helpful. But (laughs) actually I can help you with that. Yeah, there are definitely, (laughs) but back to your question, because I went off on a tangent. Yes. I, I struggle with knowing where to share and what to share. And so, but without shutting that person down. And because now I'm in a, now I'm in this place where I'm like, wow, I've I've almost swung the opposite direction where instead of being overly empathic and wearing my heart on my sleeve, now I'm a little closed off. So I don't want to come off as emotionally unavailable, but maybe where I really am is more normalcy. I don't know, but I do. I feel like I'm, I'm showing up as unavailable and I don't, I don't want to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. I often call that the pendulum effect, right? Like, yes, you, you were one way before and that didn't work. So you're like, yeah, guarding against it all the way to the other side. And so it's somewhere in between. Absolutely. And and I think it is hard after coming off of a PTSD type of situation, you know, with, with two guys back to back too. So, I mean, also give yourself a break, like it will take some time. Um, and I, I definitely have ideas for you. I just want to peel away a little more of the, these layers because I think some of what you're sharing, I, I think we're kind of pinpointing to a, an area that would be really awesome for you to practice. And this is something that a lot of people struggle with. Like, what really is being vulnerable? Like, what is it to share about yourself, but with more levity and lightness and fun? Yes. Where it doesn't get too heavy, too soon, too fast. And it sounds like that's what's happening with you. Like, the narcissists, like you said, are really good at sucking you in that way. And then all of a sudden you, you end up in this like relationshipy, heavy type of interaction. And then, yeah, you get, you get caught up in it and, you know, they, they like to know where you live. And once they know where your pain is, then they use that. Right. So if that's what your definition of being vulnerable and sharing is, I think it's like redefining what that's like upon first impression. Like you said, not six months in, but like like just saying hi. Like, what is it like to be a little bit lighter and sharing things that have more of a feeling based share 
but not like, let me tell you about my problems and my injuries. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and <laughs> I, I want to talk about that on a first date. <laughs> right. And it's not that you're doing that on purpose. I just think because you're an empath and who you are, like it just ends up kind of going there sometimes. And so now, right, like you've gone maybe to the other side where you're just like a little bit guarded and more focused on them and asking good questions and being maybe a little more heady than that, you know, also being in your body. Cause that was my next question. And I know just a little bit of history of you, like as you've been working on your femininity, as you, you, I mean, coming from the army, like you've been very structured, you're very analytical, you, you're in your head a lot. Like you, you even tipped your hat by saying like, I have a PhD in narcissism, right? Like, (laughs) you know it all, Christina, right? Like, and, and, and while that's really helpful, it can also be your detriment because that's really tough to try to like have the book in your head while you're sitting on a date. So I guess my other question is how relaxed are you in your body? Like just being playful and flirting and having fun. Like, tell me about that. So I've been practicing that. Uh, I've been traveling a lot. So I fly somewhere about once a month. Uh, I actually went to Belgium in May. So I was like, this is perfect. I get to interact with a whole bunch of people and mm-hmm. you know, no attachment to the outcome. I, you know, it's, airports are a great laboratory for this kind of stuff. And it's harder now with a mask on. So you have to really rely on your body language and, yeah. your eyes and, things, so, and the way you talk. So that's been an interesting experiment for me. So what I've, what I've noticed is if I connect with somebody and man, woman, whatever, I just, I try to practice, um, almost flirting in a little bit, maybe not in a sexual way, but just trying to just have fun and talk to that person and have an interaction. And, um, it's really interesting because when I get up into that light, uh, fun space, Mm -hmm. um, lots and lots of people start coming over and talking to me and I'm not a center of attention life of the party. I I'm actually very introverted, but I've noticed energetically how much more fun that is. And it's kind of hard to explain because I'll feel, uh, I'll feel like I'm in a higher vibrational energy. Um, if I'm tired and I don't want to be bothered, um, mm-hmm. and I get really like kind of dark and energetically small, then my interactions with people aren't very pleasant. And, and that's a goes both ways because they're perceiving that I'm not very pleasant. And that's just where I am in that space and time. So for example, I, um, I was trying to board a flight yesterday and I was exhausted. I had just raced in, in the Olympic selection time trial and I just wanted to go home. Mm. And this man walks up to me and he's just pummeling me with questions. And I kind of just, he was, he was actually being very narcissistic and he was talking a big game about himself and how he had trained for the Olympics long ago. And this, this guy definitely didn't fit the picture, but he wasn't asking me questions about me. And he actually, he went to great lengths to try and make me wrong about something. And I I was kind of like, wow, this is, I don't even want to deal with this. So instead of arguing with him, because that was my, that's my original go-to, I was like, Hey, thank you. I'm going to go get on the plane now. And I walked away. Mm, awesome yeah it was awful like I was just pounded by this guy and he would not leave me alone and he I mean he was hell-bent on making me wrong about something that he knows absolutely nothing about which was kind of funny so I was tired of being invalidated (laughs) right that's an example of me just going you know what there's nothing I can do to salvage the energy of this conversation because Mm -hmm. he's not meeting me in the middle 
And mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just gonna walk away. I'm just gonna make a choice to set a boundary and walk away. Um, so yeah. that is like a beautiful example of where I want you to be. So, cause I wanna get to the like tools, you know, something that you can yeah. start using to help you crack the code of the narcissist from the minute you say hello, like you said. Okay. Like, I mean, and you know, in lieu of having them have a big N on their hat, I mean, I think there are, <laughs> I think there are some definite things that you can do. And I think, you know, number one is your mindset. Like what just happened with that guy? If you can think of it, like, I understand that you have a PhD in narcissism <laughs> and that's awesome, but I invite you to actually go back to kindergarten again and relearn how to date. Okay. Right. Like I think because you have so much knowledge and you you're you're like you're getting in your head big time because you're so scared at the same time. And it's just it's a lot. Like it's a it's and it can be overwhelming because you're you're very much trying to figure this thing out. I I'm just giving you permission to to just take a deep breath and relax that you don't have to know the answers, but I think it's starting small. It's just like how in the army, I mean, there is no way that when you first join to be able to run five miles right away. Like if someone has never run that length, that's ridiculous to expect someone to just wake up at 5 a.m. and okay, five miles go. Like, that person's going to fall down. (laughs) They're going to get hurt, you know? Instead, you wake up at 5 a.m. and say, today I am going to practice and I'm going to train by maybe doing a jog for a mile. And I think you have to think of your journey, your next chapter as that. And what kind of skills and things can you do in this mile run to help you so that you don't end up killing yourself again in in the five mile, if that makes sense. Absolutely. That's a great analogy. Yes. I knew you'd like that. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) I don't, I don't want to repeat this. And again, it's not just about being in some bad relationship. It's about having your health destroyed and just, I mean, everything. It's just, I just can't go through that. Exactly. Well, and that's, Right. And that's why it's so overwhelming because you're so scared of all of that happening again and tripping and falling down and getting hurt right before the finish line, you know, and it's just too much. And that fear will paralyze you. And then that's when you start, you know, kind of having your guard up. And, And what I invite you to do is with each mile, you pick like three skills that you want to work on and practice for your journey. Okay. And I think if you chunk it down, it's going to be a lot easier to digest. And also it'll help you get to the finish line in a healthier way. So okay. I would say in your first mile, this is what I would have you do. You know, I, 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 I'm like that I'm giving you a diploma and in your PhD, that's great. Like just put it on your shelf for now <laughs> and you can, you know what? You can frame it. That's great. Like we can, nope. watch and say, you know, I'm like, Oh it. yay. You did it. You got it. Okay. Fine. I kind of don't want it. Can I show yeah. it the desk drawer somewhere? <laughs> yeah. Or even like put it under the bed. It's fine. Um, <laughs> just know that you got it. Like you have the knowledge, like, Because you you said in the beginning, what you really want help with is trusting yourself. Like, just trust yourself that you have the knowledge. Now it's more focusing on the practice skills and the doing piece. And 
So what you just told me and what I'm hearing is that you really want to learn how to set boundaries and also kind of learn how to share and be vulnerable in a, in a more light way so that it doesn't yes. get so heavy, heavy. And then you get to see who's listening to you. Yes. That's perfect. That's the thing is that, you know, not everybody who doesn't ask you about you is a narcissist. And that, this is the trap a lot of people fall into. Like I'll have women come back. Oh, he was such a narcissist. He didn't ask anything about me. And like, well, did you share anything about yourself? Well, no, because he didn't ask me. And I'm not saying that you do that, but maybe when you do share, you end up going down either a rabbit hole or you stay like really surfacy. So I want you to actually think of more feeling-based stories to share. So Instead of going back to the army and your injury and all that jazz, it's more like, oh my gosh, can I tell you the funniest thing that just happened to me? And having your story be backed up with your feelings. I think that's another thing that I would love for you to work on. Because I know you've been doing a lot of feeling work, you know, like you've been in therapy, but just how does that show up in real time on dates? It's not just describing a story in facts this happened and then this happened and then this happened and seeing if he's listening. It's more of how does the story make you feel and see how he, how he relates to that, how he listens to that. Okay. So I don't know. Do, do you understand? I can give you an example if this is just. Yeah, that would be great. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like, and you know, a common question, maybe somebody asks, Oh, where'd you go to school? for instance. And then, you know, a factual story answer might be, I went to Yale University and I, you know, practice speech communication and, and math. I don't know. That's a weird combo. I don't know why I just thought of that. Um, <laughs> but, but you get my point. And so then maybe you'll tell a little bit of facts around your college, your experience and what you studied. That is what I call a factual story. Instead, I want you working on an emotional-based story where you're saying, I went to Yale University and I have to say, oh, it was the best time of my life. It was, it was a time when I felt so free. I just absolutely loved college. And then you maybe back up a story of, of why. Oh, okay. Right. So, so what that does is it gives, because no one really cares about the facts. It's people relate to people and how they make themselves feel and how you make the other people feel, right? It's a feeling that, that happens, but I, I, and I don't know in particular, but maybe you can feel into this as you go out on dates. I have a feeling either you're so, because you're an empath, you're so focused on their feelings and, and how the date is going and regulating that for yourself versus not really even caring how they feel, but more about you. This is how I feel. This is my story. And how am I feeling when I tell the story? How is he reacting to me? Okay. Does that make I, sense? I it does. Absolutely. And I, I know that the challenge there is going to be, uh, and again, not to, not to rely on my uh, knowledge of narcissism here, but this mm -hmm. is something I've learned. Um, a healthy person. So if you're, and you can tell me if I'm off base here, but if you are, you know, kind of early date stage here, maybe two or three dates in, and you're telling a story that's a little heavy and that person is your instantaneous, uh, compassionate, like, oh my gosh, they're the person that, 
you wish you had had when you were going through this experience. A healthy person will say, mm, I don't think this person's ready to be in a relationship. Uh, a narcissist will use that and they will, they will become your biggest champion in an instant. And that's the trap that I fell into in this last one. And I'm kind of like, okay, so I like that idea of not getting into heady stuff. Yeah. At the same time, I have to, I want to be able to poke a little bit and figure out because compassion and kindness and empathy are huge values of mine. And I want that in a partner. Yes. So here's the distinction. Cause that's a really good question. And it, it gets hard for people to detect. Cause you're right. Like they'll make you feel like they're really listening to, I guess what I'm saying to you is, is don't share anything heavy in, at first. I mean, sharing your, uh, a fun experience at Yale university and, and just like yeah. a, a story is way different than I hurt my back and this is what happened, you know? Yeah. So in the beginning, I want you just simply share sharing like, oh, I love broccoli and cheese and it reminds me of my grandma's recipe. And blah, blah. Like, I want that kind of conversation and lightness. Okay. And then I want you to do some data dating, like just really, you know, go out a couple of times and keep recording for yourself. How am I feeling? How am I feeling? Is he listening? Is there reciprocity? Is there a balance? Because as you're sharing, then does he share his experiences? And there's this more like, shared experience than lopsided because that's the thing I know in like a narcissistic type of situation is that if you really rewind and you go back to the beginning, it always, it it actually usually starts lopsided. Like either there's usually like more focus on them somehow. And then when you share, there's something either too much or it's deflected completely. Like it's like these extremes. A, a, a well-balanced relationship, there's give and take in the beginning and lots of sharing and kind of levity and laughter and, and like that. But I guess what I'm saying is to you is I, I don't even want you in boyfriend mode right now. Like, don't, don't go out with these guys saying, are you my boyfriend? Are you my boyfriend? Could you be the one? Could you be that? Like, I just want you collecting data and really noticing the difference and even journaling after you come back from the date and saying, okay, how did I feel just now? What just happened? What am I reacting to? Okay. So what would be a good way to set a boundary if somebody asks me about something that would require a heavy answer? For example, it's kind of a loaded gun when I say, because I am a para athlete Yeah, um, and somebody says, oh gosh, you know, tell me about that. And um, how do I, def- I don't want to shut them yeah. down and come off as unavailable or not wanting to share. Um, cause I, I, you know, I want them to be curious about those things. So how do I set a, a boundary without, um, pushing Going that person away yeah, yeah, yeah. And without having to go there too. That's, that's a really tough one for me. No, that's a really good question. I mean, it's like anything else that people do. Look, we all have heaviness in some way, you know, that, but y- yours, like you said, is a little more obvious that, that gets kind of brought out in the beginning. So let me ask you, what, how do you answer it? Um, well, I usually try to give them the, yeah, I give them the story. Um, uh-huh. so that, that in the past and, and the other thing too, is I've been on ESPN. So this story is out there. They can, right. I mean, they can literally YouTube me and find me. And so that's when, that's when it's like, oh gosh, you know, how do I, how do I talk about this? And so, and this last date that I went on, which again, I, I used as a practice date. I'm, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I thought that, you know what, this guy probably isn't my guy. I didn't know about the drug problem before I agreed to go on a date with him, but I thought, why don't I just, right. this guy's asking me out. Why don't I go out there and see 
it'll be a litmus test to see if I'm ready to date. So he asked me about that like very early on. And again, Mm -hmm. he wasn't in his right mind, but I said, you know, that's a really long story and I would love to share it with you. I said, but let's, um, let's see that. Let's get to know each other a little better first. So that was kind of, I don't know if that was great, but that's what came out. Uh huh. I like that. But you know, I think you could even add more levity to it. Like it not, yes. cause that's still has a serious tone. Like, you know, let's see if we can get to know each other and then I'll share it with you. I think it's yeah. more like, Oh yeah, I get that question a lot and I know it probably piques a lot of curiosity and I definitely will share that at a time. But right now I'm just so excited to be out and with you and having fun and would love to like hear more about like just fun stuff, you know, and just make it kind of okay. like, not that, you know, and you're happy to share it. It's not that you're diverting it, but you're just so happy to be out on a date and just having fun. Like you just want to have fun. Like you're setting the tone for fun. Okay. I like that. Yeah, because it does. And I got really triggered too when he asked me because I was yeah. like, I don't want to talk about this. Like, that's the thing they go to. Not that's, I think, you know what? That's it right there is that's what gets zeroed in on in the first five minutes. And I'm kind of like, well, why do you need to pick that out? Like, out of all the things that make me me, why is that? Or I'm drawing focus to it in some way, maybe, but I'm like, wow, that's, that's where, and that's, you know, people are biased in different ways. So, mm-hmm. It may be that that's what they can glom on to. I don't know. And again, it's a huge part of my daily life, right? Because I, I'm a career athlete. Um, and that's, I mean, that's what makes me an athlete and a para-athlete. So that, that I just have to figure out how to, how to sort of skirt around that and not draw attention to it um, in, in a negative way, maybe. Yeah. And I think it's more like, look, I just, I just caught off a, like you could make fun of it too. Like I just got off of an interview in CNN. I I, I don't feel like any more interviews if you don't mind, <laughs> you know, okay. just, you know, <laughs> having kind of that attitude. I mean, look, it's, it's like me being a, a dating coach, you know, here I going out and dating as a dating <laughs> coach. Like, I mean, everybody has a label, right? Like, and it's, it's how you lead with it. It's how you receive it, but it does set a tone for the rest of the date and, and everything. So I think that's another thing that you get to practice is like, okay, so when I divert it and try to make it a little more fun, what does he do? Does he get mad? Is he, does he get like, you know, stubborn and really drill into me that he needs to know the answers. Like, again, you get to see those red flags, like awesome. And there it is, you know, like, again, this is all about you. Like really this time around, I just want you getting a little selfish. Okay. And really just seeing who shows up for you and you are the queen bee and you're dating like queen bee and it's your time to receive. You've been giving to all these guys and being an empath and analyzing everything to death. It's like, let's just breathe and be light and fun. And let's see who gives to you back. And anyone who doesn't next. Okay. Who's, <laughs> who's next on the playground? Who do I got? Who's next? Like, and really like having more of that light attitude. Cause I think, I think with you so much heaviness around all of this is also kind of leaking, you know, and the, Oh, way- absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I hope that was helpful and makes sense. So, you know, just number one is the mindset, keep it light and fun, really practice storytelling with more emotion, but in a light way, not in a heavy way. And just see who shows up for you, who gives back to you. How do you feel? Do you feel attended to? Do you feel respected? But you also have to allow the space to receive as well. So it it is that kind of balancing act, but just focus on that mile. That's it. Like just do that. And then once you feel like you've 
honed in on some things and things start clicking, then you go to the next mile. Right. And that's where like, obviously, like maybe more coaching comes in or, you know, you just have somebody holding you accountable in in some way or your therapist, whatever. So that, that is what I would recommend. Okay. Thank you. I mean, at this point, I just need to get back out there and I need to get back. Yeah. And practice. In practice. Yes. And for me, another pattern I have is uh, I do the serial monogamy thing where I, I very quickly, uh, get into a relationship and I date one guy and I know the typical don't uh, do advice, it. don't do that. <laughs> you get out there and have a pile of guys and you're dating them. You're not sleeping with them. You're, you're dating them and you're data dating, but it's still a pattern I fall into. And so that's going to be a, uh, for me when I go out and date, it's going to be with no attachment to the outcome and not in a, like I'm using these guys kind of a way, but I'll, I'll screen these, I'll screen them the best I can. And, and then also on these dates boundaries. So, this last date that I went on um, was a great example of that mm-hmm. um, because I was able to, in fact, my therapist asked me about, I told her about this and she said, well, when he said X, Y, and Z, how did you feel? And yeah. I'm like, I was triggered and I was pissed off. He invalidated my profession because he asked me what I did for a living. And so I, I tried to talk about that and I like, I, cause I'm very passionate about um, Chinese medicine. Um, and I talked about that and his response to that was terrible. It was, well, I can't imagine there's a market for that. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, check, please. I literally was like looking for the server. I was like, I'm done. This date's over. Because if that's that's how you show up on day one, that's not going to get better. And old me would have been like, okay, well, he's just having a bad day or right. nervous <laughs> on the day. Or, and I'm like, this dude just completely insulted me. And it, there were many instances of that in the very you know, the beginnings of this date. And I had ordered some food that I was like, yeah, I'm going to take that to go please. And yeah. it, just, it was awful. And that was the first time I don't normally walk out on dates and some people will say, Oh, you should be nice to them. And they're men and they have feelings that I get that, but mm-hmm. not when somebody is insulting you or showing up stoned or any of that. I think, I think you have the right, I have the right to say, no, I'm sorry. This is, I don't want to spend time on this because you don't, you only have so much time on the planet. Well, that's awesome. And look at, that's what I'm saying. Like, look at how you already are, are starting to detect things and, and set boundaries and like celebrate that and just keep, keep doing that, you know, in different okay. ways and seeing how you feel with each interaction. And I guess the other thing I will say is including like kind of the war stories, quote, quote unquote, I would also include what you do for a living. I would not talk about what you do, your profession, like you you just you're having like all these heavy topics come out like i mean christina i know you like you have a you you uh, your life is filled with adventure like you have so many fun things you could share and stories sure. and travel like like focus on that not with what you do and where you come from but just who you are as a person and what makes you tick and happy and i think if you really just focus on that and see who shows up yeah like just start there and okay. yeah, you're right. Like, don't get attached. To, this is your time to just date up a storm, you know, do something different the time around. And it's not that you're using them. This is about you. It's not about them. Remember that this is about you. This is what okay. you need. This is your feelings. And, and, and you go from there. Okay. I appreciate it. I, and I'm terrified. I'm going to just say that I am scared to death to go to put myself back out there again, because again, I've, I've had this spin cycle of repeating yep. the pattern and 
I can't believe it happened two times in a row. I, I still am dumbfounded by that. And I, that's in the past. I have to get over that story. But that is what I'm the most afraid of is getting blindsided again and repeating that. And it just being stuck in that. So that's, that is definitely where I am. Um, I have some trepidation and I have been a little reluctant to really go full bore into to dating up a storm. And I, I want to, that's the thing I want to, but part of me is like, Ugh. and that's the, the part of me that's trying to be protective. That's the, the PTSD part and, the, and that's normal. That's super normal. So one of the things I've been trying to do, and this is also hard is I've been so outwardly focused on learning about narcissism. And one day I was mm-hmm. like, gosh, if I could turn all that energy back towards myself yeah. and understand, I'm like, why, <laughs> yeah, right. why don't I focus? I was like, why don't I focus all this energy on me? Exactly. Compassionate. Yeah. And how I was, and then that felt weird. And I'm like, Oh, this is the crux of this whole thing. This is, this is the empath crux. And I, and it's funny because I, I just did it to myself. <laughs> like, wait a minute. I'm feeling bad about outwardly focusing energy when I should be focusing that on myself and my own self-care and self-compassion so that I can show up in a very healthy way. And instead of this, um, I, I don't want to say codependent there's, um, I think there's a huge trap in that. And I, I read an article about this and they were saying it's, it's terrible to victim blame and say that you're automatically a codependent person because mm-hmm. you attracted a narcissist. And I, I've had to deal with some friends around this because they get into victim blaming mode and they don't yeah. understand. They're trying to, they're trying to, if they've never had the experience, they don't understand the cognitive dissonance and the, the chemical hap- changes happen in your brain, things like that. Yeah. So I try to get triggered. You know, my friends are trying to be helpful, but um, that's something that I was reading about because I just thought there I was broken and I was codependent. I'm like, wait a minute. It's a fascinating article and it's about, it's written by someone who does narcissistic abuse recovery. And she was talking about the fact that we are too quick to blame victims for that. And I thought, wow, okay, this is, ex- I've been focusing my energy in the wrong place. And she was talking about how victims become codependent because they're trauma bonded. So the trauma bonding actually creates the codependent behaviors, not the other way around. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is such a big aha for me mm-hmm. because I, I knew I was very healthy when I went into the second relationship and I got torn down again. And again, I'm not, I, I take responsibility for my piece in that relationship. And one of the things, uh, several of the things I did, number one, I stayed too long. Number two, I was starting to get red flags at about a month in. And mm-hmm. actually, there were probably red flags on day number one. I didn't, I didn't pick those up or pink flags and pick those up. So that was, that was kind of where I was like, okay, so I'm getting better at recognizing some of these things. But again, like we talked about in the, the pendulum, yes. I'm, I'm sort of in that space going, okay, all, there's something wrong with all of you. Yes. <laughs> but, right, so right. so I do you- take responsibility for my whatever part. And I'm still trying to identify some of those parts. Yeah. And that's okay. But I, I guess like even like listening to yourself, like look at all the quotes you're quoting and all the articles you're reading. And like, there's, there's a lot there and just trust yourself. You have the knowledge. <laughs> it, it's okay to just kind of let, I, again, I, I think you should kind of put all of those articles and books on a shelf right now. Cause you got it. You already did that. And you know, there's a lot of protection that goes around knowledge. That's why a lot of people will like listen to podcasts or watch videos, read things and not do anything because it's so much easier collecting knowledge than actually going back out there. And you said it, it is scary. So I think just, you know, kind of putting down the books and just focus on the mile and collect your data and then see where you're at at the end of the mile. Then you go okay. to the next one. Like just 
don't worry about getting it right or wrong. Just worry about what's in front of you and training yourself in a different way. And it sounds like you know what that is. It's setting boundaries. It's sharing things that's lighter, being more in your body, having more levity, you know, really checking in about yourself, saying no when something doesn't feel good. Like just practice that. Okay. And when you get better at that, then you go to the next thing. That's okay. it. <laughs> I feel like I know. Thank you. I know this sounds so simple. I feel like I, I, I know what it is I, like in my head, but I haven't figured out how to connect that to my heart and my body. So that's, I, that's I actually, the practice. Yeah, that's exactly. Practice. Wow. So that was a big aha for me. Thank you. I, I, I'm like, wow, I have all this knowledge and I have to figure out how to apply it, but not in a um, an overthinking and an academic kind exactly. of way. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, and even as you listen to this podcast back to yourself, like just listen to yourself talk. Cause I, I mean, I'm hearing it even on this call, like you, you, I mean, you've done a lot of research girl, like you and you got it down, you know, like, um, and so again, like, it's just, it's, it's time to let that go and really just, you know, kind of be more in your body now and, and, and not so much pressure around everything, you know, just just take it, take your time after a war, you can't jump back in the battlefield either. Like that's too scary. Like really just ease into it. You got time, you know, you got a therapist, you got friends, like just ease into it. So anyway, Christina, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your vulnerability like you did. I mean, I think so many people listening to this can relate to your journey. And I think hopefully this was helpful for many. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for letting me share. And yes, I hope this helps somebody else. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And for those of you joining me today, this has been the Charisma Quotient. Of course, I am Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence and make connections, find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more, make sure you go to my site, as always, KimmySeltzer.com. And when listening to this, you realize that you would like to crack the code on how to stop attracting narcissists, hop on a free call with me, like I just did with Christina personally, by clicking on the link you see in the show notes to book it. And I will help you map out a plan in doing so. Also, I have an amazing six-week class coming up in July called Get Your Sexy Back. And so whether it's been a long time like Christina and you're just getting back out there or maybe because of the pandemic or you just need a refresh, whatever it is, I think this program would be amazing for you. It's interactive, it's fun, and it'll teach you how to look and feel attractive, desirable, and feminine so that you capture a man's interest no matter who you are with and where you go. And so if you are interested in attending, go to askkimmy.com, askkimmy.com, and just, you know, throw me a note. You'll be in my community and that you want to find out more about the class and getting on the priority list. And until then, remember, working on you is working on your love life. That's all for now.